Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Very few people have coached the coaches before in most organizations. Even today, a lot of coaches or a manager maybe, they may be the manager because they were the best seller before. And even though we think that's an old adage, we see that all the time in the enterprise where the best seller became the manager and they had a couple hours of management training on some type of CMS platform. And then I said, great, you got this team of eight people, go do it. Have them all hit quota, like you said. And they've got to have a better system to engage and pull the productivity forward for their team. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Brian Troutskold. He's the co-founder and COO at Ambition. And we cover a lot of territory in this conversation. Brian shares his perspectives about the role of gamification on the sales floor, on the virtual sales floor, and we dive into how B2B sales is changing and whether it's changing fast enough, meaning is B2B sales changing as fast as B2B buyers are changing how they want to buy. We also dig into managing for performance. It's really a critical issue for sales leaders today and not one that most sales bosses are enabled to perform. As I said, we cover a lot of ground in this conversation. Make sure you stick around for everything. And before you get to Brian, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Brian, welcome to the show. Andy, how are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. Yeah, it's great to, uh, great to connect with you today. <laughs> we we finally made this happen. <laughs> Just it, uh, I think this is what our fourth or fifth attempt. <laughs> we had various comedy of uh, errors and rescheduling. Right. Uh, here we are. Here we are. We we persisted, and here we are. Hallmark right. of good salespeople: persistence. Right. All right. So, for people who aren't familiar with Ambition, uh, the company, <laughs> tell us what you do. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ambition is a sales coaching and gamification platform we help uh we think some of the most forward-thinking and world-leading sales teams uh get more productivity uh higher level performance and have more successful coaching and development of their sales reps got it but you started with the gamification i mean that That, yeah that's right so i'm always i'm curious about that and because yeah, sales is competitive enough as it is. I mean, what what serves the purpose of 
layering more competition onto it. Yeah, well, I think sales salespeople are probably naturally competitive, as you said. I agree with you uh, in most cases. Um, but there's, you know, sales is probably one of the most uh, obvious areas where having a really strong set of incentives, uh, whether they be continual um, as well as maybe disincentives, is very helpful. It's a very numbers-driven profession. Uh, the the truth is in the data, and you know, I think what we're seeing as organizations get a little bit more sophisticated is they want to have uh, a really robust set of um, feedback loops. And those feedback loops are driving toward all of the things that make a healthy and effective sales process. And so the gamification, you know, you had a, you had a great point and not to drag this out too long, but Traditionally, most people say, well, I have a great incentive. It's commission. And I have a commission plan. And if I make the commission plan uh, great, when people hit quota, they're going to be thrilled. Um, And what we found is that in the modern sales environment, um, you need more than that. You have to kind of incentivize and refocus and create really powerful feedback loops to every aspect of it, whether it's prospecting, creating pipeline, moving a prospect or an opportunity through the pipeline, and then still closing at a, a high rate of success. So well, we, we add more in there, I think. Yeah, so let me, let me dive into that a little bit. So you said in the modern sales environment. So sure. modern how? Uh, I think it's a, a mentality and a philosophy. Uh, you know, five, four years ago, maybe, uh, if we were talking to a Fortune 500 company and we said, you know, how do you make sure that your people are productive and effective? They would tell us, you know, did they hit quota or not? We're going to check that number once, maybe twice per year. And that's all we need to uh, to, to measure and have an effective uh, sales team. Now people really think about that, that funnel and, you know, kind of this consistent cadence and feedback loop of how sellers operate. And everything that you do today is a leading indicator to lagging indicators that may be achieved you know, a month from now or a quarter from now. Um, and that sophistication and that kind of modern thinking, uh, we've seen change a lot in the last, like I said, three, four, five years. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I look at my own experience. It goes back, you know, 40 plus years in sales. And yeah, I mean, we, we had sales boards. We had contests, you know, all the time. I, I'm just wondering... And I want to get into this more later because I, I, yeah, I don't like this whole so I call consider conceit of what modern sales is is because I, hey, this is this is really nothing new. I'm not sure why we equate that with sophisticated sales teams. Uh, it's just like maybe these are people that are paying attention and and better and better managed, but I I don't see where the modern part comes in. Yeah, maybe it's an arbitrary word, but we we think there's a pretty drastic philosophical. Uh, philosophical difference between, you know, people who were, you know, waiting to see the results at the end of a you yeah. know, year um, versus people who are trying to create really impactful feedback loops um, throughout the entire course of that funnel and even on the demand gen side of the funnel so that, you know, as uh, data comes in, you're not just looking at um, the information in the rear view and, you know, assessing mm-hmm. where we've been and how we got here, but you're actively course correcting, you're actively participating in how do you uh, steer us to where we want to be in a kind of continually, uh, you know, updated uh, direction. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in the context that you use the word, what what does in your mind what does productivity mean in sales? Yeah, I think it's a combination of are you doing the uh, the activities that lead to uh, the effects that you want or the objectives that you want, and then have uh, ultimately, if you're doing the right activities, if you have kind of clear objectives of what those activities will deliver. Uh, and you're operating at a high enough conversion rate for those things, you're going to reach the results you want. And so it's a very, once again, systematic approach to um, you know getting from day one of a quarter or a period and saying, I want uh, Andy to close a million dollars. You're doing Done. all... Yeah, right, right. That's what they used to say. Well, well, cool. We'll pay you ten uh, percent of whatever you close, and like. Well, they never said they never said that. <laughs> I can tell you, I guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, now, now we see that all becoming much more formulaic, and then, um, and, and with that formula, you're able to you're able to do better adjustments, course correcting, coaching on all those conversion rates. So you have a highly productive sales team, and and maybe like the last part about that, or, or part of that we see is key is that. You know the the efficacy and the the how well you are at maximizing the talent on your team uh, is more is really critical right now. I don't know if it's more critical than ever. That may be a far statement, but making sure that you're getting the maximum results of the talent that you're investing in that's the the productivity goal um, that we're delivering for for our customers. Okay, I mean, I I, I look at productivity. Different. I, I I wish that in sales we looked at productivity in the same way that, well, I mean, we're <laughs> some people would say that we're we're trying to turn sales floors into assembly lines, but but you know, shouldn't we look at productivity the way you know economists define it as you know a rate of output per per unit of investment or input? So for me, real productivity in sales is how many dollars of revenue am I generating per hour of sales time? Sure, and. And it's not activity driven. It's it's hey to, to your point. You know what what are you producing? Right. I, I give people the example. I said you know if you have a factory and it's it's uh, I don't know making truck axles or something, and they they manufacture you know a hundred uh, truck axles per hour, but you know twenty of them have to be reworked before they can go forward. Yeah, you know, what's their production rate and yeah it's 80 per hour it's not 100 per hour uh but you know we look in sales we go, oh, somebody's making 50 calls yeah that's their productivity and it's like well yeah but that's why don't we measure on the part of their activities that actually lead to an outcome sure i think that i think we're probably saying the same thing in maybe slightly different ways but uh that that is what if you don't have a great assessment and a great handle on the uh the leading indicators like calls or conversations or conversations that have a positive disposition and move on to opportunity creation and opportunities that move forward and not just end up being stuck. Um, it's very difficult to tweak that. You know, you want to, you want to break the process in our, in our mind, you want to mm-hmm. break the process into as many uh, conversion points or, or kind of areas where you can, increase the leverage? How, how can you make every one of those conversion points more effective? Uh, so you have to have consistency um, you know, throughout the process. You, you mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's not that you want to pe- treat people like an assembly line, 
but you do want to create enough standardization or segmentation across different parts of your selling org that may have slightly different approaches or customer type that, you know, everyone understands the things they need to be doing per hour or per day or per month, and then have a, you know, baseline uh, or maybe targeted achievable rate of conversion that that ends up with that productivity or production level that you're describing. And so I think a lot of times, if you start with the end result, which is X dollars of quota, you know, converted or or closed one, um, and you go backwards based on clear set of objectives, uh, clear set of conversion rates, um, then you can get into that, those leading productivity, uh, the, the data on the leading productivity measures that, can be coached to, managed to, you can engage people on, you can communicate with um, on a day-to-day basis. And, and I'll, I'll break that one more level because I think sure. this, this uh, got a, a great phenomenon happening in the work from home or, or remote world era we're in right now where you know everyone wants a Peloton now or everyone is really checking their Apple Watch or their Garmin of, of how active they've been. It's like if I told you, you know, that I want to lose 20 pounds and if I just said, hey, I, uh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds by the end of March 31st and I weighed myself today and I weighed myself and I did some things that I thought were going to work, but I weighed myself at the end of March 31st. If I'm not checking my progress or keeping track of the things that are going to uh, impact me losing those 20 pounds day in, day out, or week in, week out, some type of, you know, digestible timeframe, it's probably really difficult for me to actually achieve that goal. And I think that's the mentality we've seen uh, be applied to to sales leadership and, and kind of sales philosophies in the last few years, which is uh, how do we break the goal and how do we break the target into the most digestible, attainable things on a shorter term basis that will lead to the successful outcome that we want. Yeah, I mean, in there, and this is, yeah, sorry, go back to my other point is, is, you know, someone who's grown and scaled companies is like, been doing it for decades. It's like, well, of course, this is what you do, right? You don't, it'd be a fool as a manager or as a sales leader to only check people's progress, you know, at the beginning and the end of a period as opposed to daily, you know, when, sure. you're, when you're dealing with people. You're the right type of customer then. That's good. <laughs> well, but but I think it's it speaks to a point, which is that the issue really is. It seems like what what you're trying to compensate for is just poor sales leadership. The way the way you're describing it is like, yeah, hey, we got people coming in; they're doing sort of, hey, we assign goals, we'll check with you in ninety days. Yeah, we know that's apocryphal to a little bit degree, but but hey, you know, if, if people really thought that was, and we know people gravitate to. A lot of the new tools that we have available for sellers because and sales teams because they have this data, but what are they doing with this data to actually make people, to your point, you know, more effective in those moments when they're in front of, of customers? Because that's what it's all about, right? I mean, it's it's and I, I to me the situation described is is yeah, is a real problem with sales leadership is and I think it still exists is just. Uh, inattentive yeah yeah i think inattentive may be a great word for it i also think that um got a lot of organizations where even if the philosophy is right that you're describing maybe the philosophy has been right for 50 years um 
you had big gaps in where that knowledge, where that information um, was and was it able to be channeled into insights or actionable information in a time that's useful. And so I think a lot of this also and what Ambition solves for uh, our customers is that we're getting the right data to the right people at the right time. And if you do that, then they can take action. Then they can um, coach people differently. They can assess that someone's off course and that they need to uh, adjust the mm-hmm. plan, adjust the productivity or their level of productivity. Um, and a lot of times, you know, as recently as, <laughs> as now, we get into customers and we talk to a sales manager or a sales team lead uh, and whether they believe the things that, that you described, they may not have the, the tool set or the infrastructure to, you know, to actually a- act on those things or, or even receive the information to act on it. Uh, and that is all, I think, you know, part of what, what we're going to see is that data-driven Data-driven is going to be in everything. As we, you know, you talk about sports, you talk about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. companies, anything. You know, sales may have been something where we thought we applied to a lot of data to before, but I think we're still in an early inning of that truly being applied to the profession in a way that really impacts sellers and, and seller success. Yeah, well, I think it's it's the people who are the sales leaders who are good anyway will gravitate to to this and use it to become even better but still the the broadest swath of sales leadership is not going to take advantage of it um and i think this is this sort of a bigger issue which is yeah we've got great tools like ambition is how do we how do we train and coach sales leaders sales bosses as a as a category to to become better and to use tools like this to become better to and part of it starts with just their perspective of what their jobs are and what they need to get accomplished um, because yeah it's a wonderful opportunity but I think like so many things it's like you know get these these great new technologies come into sales the people that take best advantage of it are those that are the leading ones anyway we certainly think so uh, yeah we think- so how do we, so how do we how do we how do we you know, broaden the scope of this because my belief is, and this is you know, based on just random data points and there hasn't been any study done on this, but this idea of productivity as I talked about before is in terms of dollars of revenue produced per selling hour by salesperson, I don't think that's gotten any better. In fact, if you look at general productivity trends within the economy at large, it's reasonable to make the assertion that Sales productivity hasn't increased in the last twenty to thirty years, and yet at the same time, when we've had this all this you know incredible influx of of great, interesting, innovative technologies into the sales space, it's like what's what's the part we're missing? Yeah, that's an interesting. It's an interesting angle to take. I think it's difficult to, you know, it'd be interesting to try to have an apples to apples comparison there because I think what you have is, you know, just look at our industries. We're, we're both in. SaaS companies we sell into, uh, you know, sales enablement space at large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's more sellers than ever. I would, assu- I would, I would venture. Yeah, reasonable assumption. I think over the last 
based on yeah sales hiring over the last 10 years? If you look at the amount of money spent in our category, it's never been higher. Uh, vastly, it's, it's growing rapidly how much money is being sent, spent in categories that didn't even exist uh, a few years ago. So, so I think there's... But it's having an impact. That's that was sort of the point, right? And the reason I was looking at sort of, and I just look at a simple company like like a Salesforce. Like certainly, if you know CRM, which is maybe the foundational, the foundation of the the category, if it weren't having an, an impact on seller productivity. Or, or maybe you could say, you could say that there's different impacts that it has to the organization. There's certainly data reporting, visibility impact. There's you know things that are, are kind of pretty wide ranging. But you know the scale at which there are now multiple companies uh, sure. in that category that create billions of dollars of revenue every year. I would say there's some level of productivity increase. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that that I necessarily go that far, but because. Why would sales be any different than the broader economy in terms of productivity growth? Yeah, and so since a fascinating article, you know, Paul Krugman, Nobel Prize winner in economy, wrote about economics, excuse me, wrote about, um, I don't know, in the fall. But basically, it's showing that technology you know, had a, a huge impact in individual personal productivity you know, in the corporate world, like up till 2000. And then since then, you know, the rate of productivity growth has been flat based on you know, investment in technologies and so on. It's, I think it's like 1.2%. And the assumption was sort of there was that, well, yeah, the things that really drove productivity growth, technology that drove productivity growth were you know, personal computing, uh, the internet, and... and uh, I forget the, th- the third one. Oh, email were the three things that, that drove productivity. But beyond that, we haven't seen that same gain from. And so this, I think, is just an interesting challenge for us as an industry that are selling these tools. Is is as you know, a lot of times technology adoption is driven more by we can do these things rather than we should do these things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're out there. It's just my gut feel, and I perfect open to say it's just gut feel based on various data points it's like yeah we're not we're not moving the needle on that for me was the most important thing which is yeah how do we make that person the seller individual seller more productive in those moments when they're face to face with the the prospect and there's a way that we can track that that's happening because you know we look at the other data points that exist you know cso insights all these reports you know sales rep Quota attainments down, blah blah. You know, no decision rates are up. All these things that just say, well, hey, maybe we're not really finding the key yet with this. Sure, I think I think that maybe that's a a tool to tool or, or product category to category distinction. And I'm sure you could you could paint it broadly across. But you know, when we talk to a sales leader, mm-hmm. um, you know, in most cases they know the they know the formula. Um, they know the um, the plan that they want people to run in, and that they want to maximize as much time or energy, time and energy that a sales rep is dedicating to working the plan. We call it work the plan because the plan works. Sure. And so, how do you uh, reinforce and create, 
you know, positive feedback loops and attention cycles that make sure your people are dedicating as much time, energy to working the plan and, and doing those productive steps versus um, things that may be less productive. And, and we've seen, I think, a lot of tools come and go or, or become extremely hot and then become uh, less so because, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't obviously create those, those feedback loops or that, that positive um, virtuous cycle of value. Well, let me ask you a question, and slightly off track, but it's related to something you're just saying: is you know, working the plan and so on. Is the plan ultimately tied to a quota of some sort? Is why are we still using quota? <laughs> I mean, quotas quota is a, a remnant. You know, it's it's like piecework that people get paid and in factory work, and yeah, it's been around forever, right? It's nothing modern about quota. In fact, it's yeah. There is research that shows that quota is actually counterproductive. Yeah, you know, it's this Goodhart's law. And Charles Charles Goodhart, I believe, British economist, back in the '60s, for, came up with this formulation, which, based on what I've read, has been proven out. Which is that when a measure becomes a target, it loses all value as a measure because. People optimize their processes to achieve the measure, the target. And so, yeah, <laughs> it, like I said, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It has nothing to do with potential, right? If I assign a number to some, this is why I, I focus on this rate of revenue generation per hour because that's not tied to trying to achieve a fixed target like a quota. So I see quotas antiquated. You know, there's, there's got to be better ways, including Productivity, how I define it, and and others to to measure sellers going forward that unlock actual productivity. I was wondering what what you guys are hearing about that. Yeah, Andy, that's interesting. I mean, this sounds. It seems like maybe this is we should have done this podcast at uh you know maybe like eight p.m. Eastern and, and had a, a bourbon or something while we philosophize. Uh, <laughs> Who says I'm not drinking? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. yeah, let's do it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's maybe. I'm not. It's nine in the morning. I'm not drinking. Just so everybody knows. Uh, but you know, the the philosophy part is really interesting. I do think that, um, you know, we talk like a, we, we talk, you know, creating this this systematic approach and, and kind of creating this repeating cycle uh, or, or cyclical um, feeling within the organization where you're you are able to uh, create visibility and identify. Identify the KPIs and the KPI expectations, create accountability to those things, uh, direct change management and attention on them, whether that is uh, very active or, or only by, you know, loose feedback. And then, you know, once you've done that a few times, you generate insights and you start back at the top with the visibility and, and you just continue to run that cycle. And part of that is uh, having the right you're kind of, I think, talking about and, and maybe referencing, you know, are you measuring what matters? And once you put a target on it and the energy goes towards a certain uh, key activity or key metric, well, you know, is it lost? I don't know. I think, I think what's, you know, if you looked at any, um, you know, someone like a, a David Sachs or a, um, you know, who's gotten some good content on this. I think Andy Grove has content on this kind of in the, the precursor to OKR. Like uh, the foundation, a company 
and a business is, you know, this series of cons- layered upon objectives of different teams and different kind of operating groups within the organization. And, you know, sales is part of that demand generation is part of that marketing. And I think it's very difficult to, in, in the current terms and those type of thinkers say, well, we're going to remove the idea of KPIs and targets and, well, just you know. different targets. Do we target differently? That's my point. Is, is that for reasons even as simple as Goodhart's laws, quotas just wrong. It it actually it suppresses total output as opposed to encouraging greater output in my mind, and always has. And so, but we it becomes the hallmark of what we consider these you know, quote unquote modern selling. Yeah, you know, it's and this is yeah. Sorry, me getting on my soapbox on this, but but. Yeah, I, I, I was doing some research about sales processes for a book I'm writing, and 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 I started comparing. Yeah, I went and searched all these things online about hundreds of examples. What a diagrams, what you know, modern sales process looks like, all the stages and so on. And I, you know, at the end, you lay them all out, and I just laugh because it's like, yeah, we were using those stages 40 years ago. What's modern about this? What do we put apply? We apply a layer of technology to it that makes it modern. That we have KPIs around. It's like, granted, it, it changes it, but we have to just if we want to be modern about things, so we have to rethink all of this stuff. Because yeah, if yeah. if we assume, and it's, I'm sorry, it's just last point. As we assume, as, as I think, is a safe assumption, is that the individual productivity or output of individual sellers has not as improved as a result of using all this technology compared to years before, then we're not using it right. We need to rethink everything instead of just, like I said, putting this veneer of technology on things that were done in the past. And it's, it's, it's like, let's start with quota, right? It's just has no purpose. Find another way to measure people. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I think it, it's still the, the reality of where we, we operate today. And so, you know, oh, I sure. think, it's interesting in the context of an ambition world or, you know, our ecosystem, you know, ambition, we think about things in a, in a different framework as well. So we want people to, you know, start with the results they want. That could be, mm-hmm. that could be uh, a variety of different metric based goals uh, or, or even non-metric based start with those results, you mm-hmm. know, moving one step backward, there's a series of objectives that leads to those results and then, you know, if you go back one step further, you have um, a myriad of activities on a shorter term time frame that are going to lead to those objectives. So, you know, when we walk into an organization with whatever level of sophistication or, you know, modern approach to how they think about leadership or employee experience or setting targets and goals, whatever it is, we're trying to impart that change so that they can clearly communicate and drive attention and consistency and then alignment throughout their entire organization of, you know, we want these results from you salesperson or Mm -hmm. person or customer success manager, you know, to get those, we think, uh, at reasonable rates of conversion, you're going to have to hit these objectives on a, you know, shorter term timeframe. And then to do those, you're going to have to, you know, execute these activities at some level of reasonable, uh, conversion and, and consistency, uh, and so it, it creates once again, like it, it ultimately, you have to be measuring what matters. You have to be, uh, setting, you have to set, I think some type of 
uh, data, uh, you know, that you can validate that are the things that this group of people in your organization contributing? Is it, is it having the intended? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you call it whatever you want. We think of that as creating this kind of ongoing series of uh, micro incentives and, and kind of micro attention opportunities to either, either get positive feedback or some type of reward or some type of opportunity for coaching and change. Right. And you know, that, that snowballs. And once you have that snowballed across thousands of people in a, in a sales organization, you, you can have a very uh, highly effective organization that's, that's operating very consistently. Yeah, I agree. The question is, is it operating at peak productivity? And, that, and this is, I, I know we don't have enough time to go through, into all that today, but this, I think, is, is something that, it's forward thinking, right? But it's, it's you know, trying to encourage this conversation, and I know others are as well. It's just to really sort of come to grips with the reality of what sales is today and say, okay, we've been calling it these things, but it's really not. So what do we really need to do to prepare ourselves for a future that that um, yeah, that really measures the right things, that really does enable people to, on an individual level, improve their output in a meaningful way. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the things like, for instance, you know, that sort of comes to mind is, because I focus a lot of my time and in, in work and things I'm working on and sort of individual performance improvement, individual productivity enhancements. And we have this sort of, I think, collision happening in sales over that's sort of been increasing over the last 10, 15 years is that, you know, as we talk more and more about systems, but we also, in the process of implementing those systems, we remove autonomy away from the individual. And I think, and sometimes then also by removing the autonomy away from the individual sellers, we, we, sort of reduce their incentive to invest in their own development. And so we've got sort of this vicious cycle because, you know, we've mechanized sales to a greater degree and, and some of which is absolutely want to. But on the other hand, you know, sales is still this, this is, you know, individual performance sport, if you will, you know, business sport. Um, and, you know, we need to provide people the space to experiment and, and try new things and not be so driven by, the same KPIs as everybody else. You know, how do we? How do we in this context of structure? How do we give people this individual autonomy to to improve? Well, I think I think that we you know focus on that a ton, and we we live in that every day. And I think the having clear visibility into those things, you know, whatever we're kind of talking in very round terms around some of the metrics, but sure, if you, if you start talking about a you know kind of classic. SaaS uh, high velocity sales team, uh, which you know I'm sure dozens of Ring DNA customers have that, and, and certainly dozens of Ambition customers have that. They may look at, um, you know, I think you're kind of speaking to the the challenge of a lot of these folks are they're trapped in their sequence or cadence or whatever it is, you know, this thing that they do to do outbound and, and get in touch with prospects, and you know maybe you're removing the as you said, the autonomy, or, or you know, maybe someone would say the creativity uh, and, this, and the variety of how people would approach that. Well, you know, we look at that certainly too, and we say, you know, your company or your 
the director of whatever role you're in, they've set this target. You need to make, uh, you need to call 50 people a day, or you need to have X number of conversations. You know, I, I think that ultimately what we want to put as much of that information in front of the salesperson so that they can very directly um, have have a clear understanding of how they're doing compared to their peers, how they're doing uh, in terms of a pace to that target. There's an outcome to that thing. You know, they don't want to make 50 calls a day just to make 50 calls a day. They figured out that, you know, to talk to... I don't know, seven people a day, or maybe you have 10 qualified conversations, you have to make that many calls. And so, you know, there's still some building block of, of how creative someone can be and how, uh, how do they make their part of that chain more effective, which we want to give them as many of the, as much visibility to, you know, customize that process as possible. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't own the cadence tooling or the email, you know, the email process. We just want to give them the, the most clear amount of data so that they can say, wow, I'm not, uh, I'm not on pace to set up as many opportunities as I want to be, or I'm not creating as much pipeline dollars as I, you know, had gold myself at. Um, and it's just like, you know, the weight loss thing. Like if, if I understand that I'm not doing it at the same rate, how do I, how do I adjust on the other side? How do I, you know, course correct that through other, through other means. And hopefully it's being creative and having autonomy and being enabled by their team to uh, not just become an automaton, um, you know, to be a really uh, data driven savvy salesperson. And, and last part of that thought is that a lot of times the manager uh, in this case, who we think of as a coach, they're, most organizations, they're fairly ill-prepared to do that. They, they may not have enough real-time insights. They may not have enough um, visibility to the, you know, kind of the windshield-facing indicators. Um, and so we want to give them, we, we do give them, and we believe in having a very structured coaching process that highlights these areas of mm -hmm. or areas of strength and then gives them a, you know, a workflow um, to rely on because in a lot of cases we see that coaching uh, on those areas where there is autonomy and coaching on the areas where there is um, freedom of motion, if you will, that's where reps really can, can start to shine because they're someone's in there with them, uh, you know, in a team setting trying to improve those, those productivity rates or the effectiveness of those things. Right. Yeah. No, I'd love to, Continue this conversation, Ben. We'll have you back, and we'll do it because I, I, yeah, one of my passions right now is, you know, the pushing back against this idea that that largely what we're engaged in is, is people toss around the term modern sales, and really when it boils down to what they're talking about is top of funnel activities, which, granted, have been transformed. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, I. I'm one of many who don't really consider that selling uh, at top of funnel. That's you know lead gen and hugely important, but um, yeah, it's not anything that gets the order. So, you know, I think we have to really look at in more serious fashion. Is, is yeah, what what are we doing across the board? And I think what you talked about is great. Is you know giving more more insight to the individuals they go through their process to help them make better decisions about how to invest their time and to be more 
uh, effective and productive in front of the customer. But there's, you know, there's much more, I think, that we have to do in that regard to really uh, transform this and prepare sales for, you know, a future that's that's still going to be driven by humans, but, you know, it's going to be going to be different. And I think I put more pressure, if you will, on the individual to become even more effective in those, you know, relatively few moments they have to be talking to a prospect and influence the choices and decisions they make. Yeah, we think, you know, as much as technology is going to enable it, and, and certainly it does in, a, in an ambition world where you've got, you know, streams of data from really a limitless amount of systems, but typically multiple systems coming together to provide, you know, the best visibility of a sales rep, uh, both to their own pace to objectives and goals, but also to, you know, their own performance in comparison to their peers. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the same window of, of visibility to the manager uh, or the coach, and you know, hopefully, you have to and are able to, as an organization, see which coaching programs, what what styles, what type of uh, management cadence is having the highest um, impact on on your seller's productivity, and then you're able to scale that. And so, we think, you know, not only do you get a huge increase of, of uh, benefit from reps and salespeople, sellers, or, or whatever role is having visibility to these things, but also the coaches having that visibility, and then you know a sales leader having visibility into both sides. Because mm-hmm. the, very few people have coached the coaches before, uh, and most organizations, even today, a lot of coaches or a manager maybe they may be the manager because they were the best seller before and even though we think that's an old adage it's we see that all the time in the enterprise sure you know the the best seller became the manager and they had a couple hours of uh management training on some type of you know (laughs) some cms platform and then uh they said great you got this team of eight people go do it have them all hit quota um like you said and and they've got to have a better system to uh engage and, and pull the productivity you know forward for their team yeah, well, I mean that's that's point you made. It just speaks to so many issues. Is you know, I think one of the disservices that in this again we get these these sort of vicious cycles that we get into is since companies in general woefully underinvest in the development of their frontline sales managers and sales leadership in general, uh, and they presume since they give these people a title, they suddenly become experts on performance improvement and motivation and mindset and all these things that. Yeah, right. they don't know necessarily, right? Because they haven't been trained. Is yeah, until companies get serious about investing at that level, in really a couple of ways. One is they do a big disservice to a lot of sellers, top sellers, by promoting them instead of letting and counseling these sellers to say, "Look, this may not be the path for you." Right? Is is you are a wonderful salesperson. You think you want to be a, a manager. But you know, let's let's run somebody through a coaching program, an assessment program, or something that because I've seen no shortage of people who have been promoted, good sellers, promoted into management, who then struggle from a career perspective after that because uh, they sometimes think, "Well, I should, I'm a manager now. Yeah, you know, I need to get a sales management role," and they find it hard to go back to being a seller when they should never have been encouraged to be promoted in the first place. 
Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's part of our coaching is we have to give these top sellers a, a realistic view of what life is like as a manager and, and say, hey, here's a career path as an individual contributor that can be hugely rewarding depending on what you really want to get out of life, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a you know, honestly, like the, the pathing is, is something that we think about internally here a lot. And, and I think that it's a huge challenge for people's, uh, you know, even their personal career trajectory and understanding, um, you know, that it's okay to, to be in a role where you have a ton of upside and, and uh, have the ability to control your productivity in a lot of ways and control the, the output. Um, you know, from a, from a company standpoint of what we sell to, you know, our buyers who are CROs or SVPs of sales or, or leaders of sales enablement, you know, you've got to be able to, you've got to be able, able to create the system of record and, a scalable approach to to coaching, to management, to having a uh, you know this cycle that takes what is happening, the the data and the visibility of what's going on. Hold people to are you uh, are you achieving what we expected? Can we create accountability to whether it's an activity metric or or simply a, you know goals and objectives on the whatever time frame? Uh, could it go all the way out to quota? Are you holding them accountable to it? Do you have levers that can change behavior? That's probably one of the biggest things that most people really struggle with is even if they do identify the challenge, you know, changing behavior is really hard. Changing people's habits are, is very hard. Mm-hmm. Getting people to buy into change. And so you have to have a very healthy, uh, innovative, unique way of getting people's attention, capturing that attention and turning it into new habits. And then as you've got people doing new things, doing a new workflow, doing a new process, being better at the process, saying a different thing, whatever it is, can you glean the insights to get back to the, to the start? And so, you know, with ambition and, and kind of coming at it from the, the leadership angle, mm-hmm. that's why we're building a, you know, a metric-based coaching platform. And that's why we've created a, you know, a system of record with, with timelines to all of the interaction between a manager and a rep and how they've achieved different goals, incentives, uh, you know, different different path uh, as they've gone from whatever role they came in at, whatever metrics it had, to where they are today and where they right. expect to you know. go. Yeah, very cool. All right. Yeah, we could have, let's have a whole other conversation just on the coaching <laughs> yeah. aspect, uh, which I love to do. It's, it's, you're in the sweet spot because, you know, as you've identified, is, is this is, this is a, a weakness in the system, generally, right? And this is nothing new; existed forever. Uh, sales managers are expected to perform in a certain way, and you know, aren't enabled either from a training and development standpoint or necessarily from a tool standpoint to to do it. And and it is the single most important thing that drives individual performance improvement is effective coaching. There, there we agree 100%. And it's really interesting, like the system, when I say the system, like it's a monolith, it's not a monolith, but but if you look at the mass majority of, of people that your team or our team will run into, it's, you know, they're using Salesforce or similar, they, they've got a certain set of enablement tools around that, uh, which is great, you know, like you pointed out, they may have a myriad of systems that, that should be impacting them. But even if you look at Salesforce specifically, you know, Salesforce is built to 
navigate from the customer side. You know, it's all built around the lead to uh, an opportunity or an account. Um, you know, in the the even the nomenclature is all about the the customer, um, and it's really it takes a hard pivot on that data to make it about the the rep or the individual mm-hmm. seller mm-hmm. within the organization. And, and I think that's one of the areas that we've we stumbled into very early doing gamification. And you know, once we found that we had um, you know a huge amount of of green space around that, which which we feel can strongly impact the success of those sellers and, and ultimately the, you know, the success of the organization, you know, that's been a fascinating journey of really, you know, digging in and investing in tools and, um, you know, tools and insights around how do you get the most out of these people? Yeah. Well, what's that? We'll talk more about it. So Brian, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously ambition.com uh, would be a great place to get in touch with us as the company. LinkedIn, you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Brian Trouchel, uh, just search me on LinkedIn. I don't think there's, I think there's only one in the world. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, if you ever want like really hot takes on, um, you know, SaaS companies and founding companies or, or maybe the NBA, then you can you can follow me on Twitter. I'm, I'm B Trouchel there. The NBA. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of a uh, you know stats nerd, data nerd. <laughs> yeah, who's who's your who's your team? The Memphis Grizzlies are my team. What's which, okay. which uh, where I grew up? Got it. And how are they doing this year? Right now, Andy, they're doing pretty well. They're in the playoff hunt, which is which is uh, better than expected. They're overachieving. If we had to, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good. All right, Brian, thank you so much for joining. me. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen. We are ever so grateful for your support of this podcast. And I want to thank my guest, Brian Troutskold, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement, with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, We generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.